My name is Shlomi Ron. I'm a co-founder and CEO at the Visual Storytelling Institute here in sunny Miami, Florida. And that's why I'm super excited to have on our show today Susan Emmerich. She is one of the early pioneering influencer, one of the early pioneers of starting this movement called Today Influencer Marketing. She launched uh, uh, some really notable influencer marketing programs uh, at IBM, and she's an educator, speaker, and author of the book, The Most Powerful Brand on Earth, How to Transform Teams, Empower Employees, Integrate Partners and Mobile Customers to Beat the Competition in Digital and Social Media. Wow, this is a, really a mouthful. <laughs> So, so welcome to the show, Susan. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, Shlomi. It's an honor to be here and so great to reconnect with colleagues that it's been a while since we worked together, but awesome to be here. Yeah, yeah. And just for the folks listening and uh, watching this, uh, uh, both uh, myself and uh, Susan, uh, we overlapped uh, uh, for a period of time. Uh, while working at IBM. So in some cases I had the, the privilege to actually work with Susan directly and really see the tremendous uh, influencer marketing program she uh, developed. So definitely a great uh, opportunity for you guys today to hear it from the source. <laughs> so, so before we get started, uh, maybe if you can uh, paint a picture uh, to our audience and really uh, Talk a little bit about how you got started in influencer marketing. What was your backstory? Sure. Happy to share that. Well, I've been so incredibly fortunate to have the opportunity to become, as you said in the intro, an early pioneer in digital and social networking, primarily for business. And um, because IBM's a business-to-business -business company for the most part, um, we entered into influencer marketing back in 2007 or even before that, right around that time, and working with a core team in IBM's social insights practice, mm -hmm. although it wasn't called that at the time, it was market insights. <clears throat> and since that time, um, we, we started with a very early pilot. And we were challenged with the question of what could be known from social listening. And so with that challenge, we took forward plotting a course for defining and instrumenting a social listening competency center. Mm -hmm. And it was from that initial pilot that we really delved into what does it take to harness intelligence from the social web? And uncover individuals who are prominent and influential mm -hmm. and what is it going to take to bring that kind of intelligence to the organization and it was through that early pilot that we had the opportunity to work with IBM research and build what is now known as uh, Watson capabilities but it, in the early days it was to instrument and influencer intelligence system that really tapped into Watson's machine learning and natural language processing and now what is known today is artificial intelligence to really understand what was being said in the social web, who was saying it, 
and who is prominent in terms of expressing uh, their views and influential in terms of thought leadership. So this competency now is a social insights practice for IBM that's expanded across the globe. And we use it to consistently and, and always keep near to the ground, but apply insights mm -hmm. from social intelligence mm -hmm. to inform our marketing planning, our engagement strategies, our community engagement development, and also our influencer relation programs. So that's how, that's how I got started in my backstory. Wow, that's fascinating. So it sounds like you, you, your original background was really marketing and communications, but you really align it with the times, with the emergence of social media, and you, you start developing the practice. Now, those early programs you're talking about, were they specifically focusing on influencers from inside the organization or also external influencers? It's really interesting that you asked that question because actually what tipped off the work stream um, was the fact that marketing communications that we were doing digitally, primarily paid search and organic search, um, was really, and the traffic to our websites and everything was, was really starting to show referral traffic from social networks, from uh, different uh, discussions that were happening. And so it was that change in the way we needed to look at our web presence and integrating social and creating a presence not only within social branded channels, but also more importantly, individuals that had a competency or subject matter expertise in a particular technology mm. and help them to build their influence. And quite interestingly, how this came about way back then was from the ecosystem evaluation and social listening that we were doing, we started to see some influential employees emerge. And they were technical leaders in their domain expertise. And it was from that that we had the notion of, boy, if we could really find out what do these individuals need in terms of support to help them become even more prominent and more influential, wouldn't it be interesting to build a practice around that and make a repeatable methodology? So that's uh, sort of. The way it evolved was initially, you know, being pressured on our digital strategy and how we needed to incorporate social considering the emergence of social networking and social media, take advantage of that, but also most, most importantly, help employees and, and partners in particular that had a particular technical expertise become prominent and, and accessible to be able to become influential in their, in their domain expertise. Wow, so that's fascinating. So if I understand what you're saying, it's really about uh, first year, it was the initial initiative to uh, shape and optimize the, the branded uh, social channels that you have. But then as you uh, started to, doing more social listening and you start to identify a internal influencer within the organization 
the demand become that uh, really how can we help them become better in what they do and, and create programs around them and that's what really started that uh, influencer program i remember at the time we called them smes subject matter experts mm-hmm. i don't know if yeah. the term is still valid but uh, <laughs> yeah yeah well i i think it's really a an interesting evolution because truly the heart of influencer marketing and the form of that marketing goes to very specific topical areas mm-hmm. in which individuals or the types of individuals in which are in a community around that topic, a shared topic of interest, right, can bring value to an audience or a market as a whole. And so when you think about that, identifying those individuals that possess the the opportunity if you will and really are willing to put in what it takes to become uh influential because it's not for everyone not everyone is cut out for that but if if they uh are really willing to to put in the time Mm-hmm. to focus on driving their, if you will, personal brand, to bring value to a community around that topic, that to me is the heart of influence. And I know that um, it's evolved quite a bit over the years. What I found is fascinating is the pendulum swinging back to what now the industry is calling micro-influencers. But that's exactly where we started. Hmm. which is think about your goals for your company, orient around the topics that resonate around those goals, and be very specific around who can drive that agenda, who are the right people in order to um, bring that value to the community and influence potential buyers uh, around that. And, and really building out a support system in order for them to be successful. Yeah, so that's exactly, uh, sounds to me like we're a good example of uh, where the medium, you know, those influencers become the message and you build like programs around them and it becomes all machinery that really not only helped those initial influencers, but actually uh, help identify and, re- and uh, recruit others, new ones. Uh, but before we go deeper, uh, now that we got uh, a little bit about uh, information about your background, maybe uh, just for the sake of uh, those people who kind of uh, hearing about the term uh, for the first time or, you know, heard it but not sure what it really means. So when we talk about influencer marketing, what is your definition uh, for uh, this discipline? And, and if you can also unpack, you know, the different types of influencers that uh, you see in the industry today. Sure, absolutely. And I was fortunate enough to be a part of the Word of Mouth Marketing Association Research and Measurement Council when we actually wrote the WOMA Influencer Handbook. Mm-hmm. It was way back in like 2013 or something like that. So yeah, I remember I read it. Brand, <laughs> yeah, a cross-brand uh, group of individuals who really put their heads together on helping define it for the marketplace. 
Uh, I still think it resonates quite a bit. But I would say my personal definition of influencer marketing is truly a form of marketing which focus is placed on specific individuals or a type of individuals that that uh, share a topic of interest in common and can really bring value to a market as a whole. And so by identifying individuals that can drive influence, whether it's from because of their academic um, focus or if it's, like I said, their subject matter expertise or even if it's just a cause or passion that they have, the point is, is that these programs orient marketing activities around these individuals and bring that support system to them. And so you start to think about, well, what does success look like? And when you put um, how are you going to measure whether or not you've made a difference at the beginning of your goal setting, you start to think about the importance of prioritizing particular types of individuals and their prominence or understanding around the topic that's contextual in which your program is intended to drive change. So when you think about that measurement aspect and putting the, the beginning with the end in mind, like Stephen Covey says, to think about how will you measure, measure success? And it's really, are these individuals that I'm thinking about able to reach and really have the quality of reach in their network that's significant enough to, to drive that agenda, that topical alignment to my business goals? Do they have the ability to drive engagement and are they well connected in the sense of they're highly committed and engaged to building a network? So they possess those characteristics that they are a natural community leader or uh, well-connected within in technology, for example, user groups are, are particularly important. Another point around engagement and connectivity happens to be um, their contributions. And we say, you know, sure, there's a lot of activity that can happen. But we're not looking for activity. We're actually looking for content that is truly leading edge, if you will, and they are uh, able to contribute in a valuable and sustainable way in order to drive more engagement, more connectivity, and ultimately be highly responsive in that engagement. So, um, that's of particular importance. And I already kind of mentioned the subject matter expertise, and I think about it as authority and, and really understanding and bringing knowledge to a community in a valuable way and being dedicated to that focus area, being able to advance the community's understanding of a particular topic or right. engendering, you know, uh, really uh, inspiring engagement if it's around a cause or whatever it might be so it sounds so, like really what you're saying is that uh, you know the criteria for selecting them is a uh, it's not enough that you are active all the time you need to be authoritative voice with valuable content and so it's a combination of value and also uh, being active and engaging uh, your audience now, do, do you see any difference uh, in terms of uh, what we call 
employee advocacy programs where the influencers are is coming from the inside the organization versus influencers that are a pretty much what I called earlier prosumers, you know, those uh, mega influencers that uh, are uh, on the consumer land, uh, so to speak. And I know that there is some terminology that's been running around between a micro and macro influencer. Those macro are like the celebrity type. So maybe you can make an order within all these types. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it really depends on the brand the product and or service in which the program is intended to support. And you need to evaluate that from that lens. And in some instances, a celebrity would be, you know, fitting for that. But again, I think it is a matter of evaluating and having that system in which to, um, evaluate and, and really prioritize mm -hmm. who's going to drive the reach, the quality of reach you're intending to achieve, who has the, the authority or, or really the, how do I say, the personality, if you will, that's going to be fitting for that, that particular right. uh, goal for your business. And, and really, the commitment to being connected and mm -hmm. truly engaged. Uh, so I think with that in mind, I think that recipe, if you will, can be applied no matter if you're a B2B or a B2C um, environment. And quite frankly, I think those, those lines are, are kind of flattening more and more, mm -hmm. the more we're connected socially across the social web. But again, I think you have to go back to the topic of interest. The topic of interest is going to be the center of gravity. Right. And that's going to be different if you're talking about, you know, a highly technical orientation around a topic of artificial intelligence compared to something that is more, you know, a personal brand like makeup, for example. Right. I mean, the, the topic of interest is the that's center of gravity. Drive, yeah, and I think that's sure. a really good... Um, Right. A good thing to think about. Absolutely. Uh, and when we, since this is a, a visual storytelling today's show, you know, we are really interested in understanding, you know, the intersection with the visual storytelling. Uh, now, do you see this uh, emerging type of influencers? I call them visual influencers just because they tend to specialize in a visual uh, social network like Instagram or YouTube? Right, right. Well, definitely, I just think the social web mm -hmm. in general, and I think it reflects the human consumption habits, is moving to visual. So whether that's video or imagery, mm -hmm. et cetera, you start to see massive growth and, and predictive massive growth in visual forms of media consumption habits. Right. And so that reflects pretty naturally in terms of visual influencers, whether they're on Instagram or YouTube or mm -hmm. what have you. I, I see um, a lot of brands doing that really well. Uh, I also 
think that it's it's always fascinating to see what my students at West Virginia University bring back when we when we have um, our particular lesson on visual engagement and which brand, brands really do that well. The, a couple of them that always come up on top seems to be brands like REI because hmm. they do yeah. a lot of um, outdoor uh, user-generated content from consumers using their right. their backpacking and 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 they're in beautiful scenery and another one is a great example is GoPro um, that's been always seems to come back uh, Starbucks of course is another one where you're you know in a community of of people enjoying um, Starbucks um, but I, I find selfishly kind of have an incubator in a way uh, of watching my daughters grow up and see how they consume right. visual uh, social media and how they participate. And I found it really, really interesting to watch the emerging category of beauty and um, you know, yep. makeup applications. Right. And it's just this whole movement mainly around YouTube and Instagram where, you know, young women from around the world are videotaping beauty applications. So they want to show a makeup tutorial on how to look like Kim Kardashian's makeup today. Right. They, they show you how to get that look. <laughs> so it's, it's been really, really interesting to watch that exploding Space, if you will, of uh, these mm -hmm. self-made uh, makeup artists sharing their techniques and and the products that they're using, and of course, I'm sure behind the scenes there's uh, some brands, you know, brands that are supporting, yep. you know, supporting that product trial and development. But it's just really boomed over the last ten years to see where it is now, and um, that's just an example. Yeah, no, for sure. So hopefully, you know, some of the, the ears of our list, listeners have perked up by now and they, they definitely started to, say, to think about uh, influencer marketing more seriously. So for those uh, who'd like to kind of dip their toes in the water and get started, so what would you say would be like a, a typical business objective that uh, an influencer program uh, or visual influencers, for that matter, they can serve. If you can yeah, just... Yeah, so... Yeah, go ahead. I think... Well, I kind of already said it in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, or as we were talking, but first and foremost, I mean, focusing on the topic at hand and mm -hmm. the, the category in which your topic is relevant. So thinking about, you know... If you have a need to establish your brand in a particular category, if you're an up-and-coming brand that needs to get discovered, thinking about that relevance of the topic at hand in the category and combining that with the relationships that would bring that to life. So, so, so for example, is it something like uh, when you say the topic it could be about uh, driving awareness. So obviously mm -hmm. you want to match it uh, to the 
discover stage in the buyer's journey. This is really a set or series of topics that all talking about uh, people is going to hear it for the first time, right? So how right, can... Right, absolutely. Yeah. So you would, you would want to start with research to identify, mm -hmm. well, first of all, understanding the dialogue and the context in which that is being discussed. Yeah. What is the natural language of the conversation at hand? How are people... Right. in this particular category talking about something and then how do you position your brand in that context so identifying not only the spoken language how it's discussed but also who's who's engaged who are the individuals right and how do you enter into that ecosystem in order to drive influence for a particular product or service it takes really careful planning, but I would say research is fundamental. Um, there's a lot of tools out there now that if you don't, you know, have a big team at your disposal, you can still do quite a bit of intelligence gathering. So, you know, market research is certainly um, more accessible from, from gathering social intelligence. Uh, today than it was say 10 years ago when I started this <laughs> yep. uh, but also really careful planning and, and thinking about this is uh, a true uh, differentiator in a marketing mix mm -hmm. although it may not be familiar territory apply those same marketing planning uh, fundamentals to the way that you would any other discipline. So you want to be conscious of your target audience, which mediums um, or social networks are important to them, where do you want to prioritize your engagement, because you, you need to be focused and in particular determine, okay, from those channels that I'm going to prioritize, what content Cre uh, creation type do I, I need to focus on and what are my distribution methods going to be within that within that channel of choice so I think everything from the research to the, the planning the careful planning and and training uh, that goes into it are, are fundamental in how to get started now, now, do you see it as a, an exercise? Obviously, you said research, so the, I, I assume uh, this is where you do your social listing and understanding uh, what the market feels about a specific topic. But uh, as you start re uh, recruiting influencers, is it an exercise of really matching a topics that emerge from your social listening to specific influencers that specialize them? And the end result is, is really like uh, influencers that are categorized by, by different stages of the buyer's journey or one influencer can cover the entire journey? I think it depends on the individual. And there's a couple mm -hmm. things I map out in my book. Um, one is being the 1990 rule of the internet where 1% are going to be the highly engaged community leadership, thought mm -hmm. leadership kind of individuals. That's only 1%. Right. <laughs> the 9% will be those that emulate and want to aspire to become that 1%. The 90% is everybody else. 
And so when you think about designing a program like this, you have to get real practical on who's that 1% in order to, you know, really focus your investment and, and the outcome of your investment. The other thing is that there is a whole um, approach, a tiered system that I share in my book on how to build mm -hmm. uh, such a, a, a categorized tiered system uh, using that rule um, and, and how to then think about the whole uh, support system that, that you need to provide. And so when you think about it, you're going to have a portfolio of influencers. Mm -hmm. They're likely going to be a mix of employees, partner affiliates, distribution affiliates, et cetera. But you'll also have those uh, individuals who are not necessarily affiliated to the brand, but just highly engaged because they share the passion around that topic and, and, um, could be prominent influencers from that standpoint. Mm. So um, I, I would say, um, shameless plug for the book, but we cover that mm. in three of the chapters uh, around the tiered system, the model you need to create around that, but then also the portfolio of influencers because influencer marketing is complicated mm -hmm. and you need to be really thinking about what does that portfolio look like? And who are the right individuals to put in that tiered system? I see. Well, definitely. Earlier, you touched briefly about uh, the general process uh, for someone that want to start an influencer marketing program. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, can you just uh, maybe uh, reiterate the steps? You said research, planning, maybe give us a like the end-to-end -end process? Sure, sure. And this, you know, it, it, it's evolved over the years, but it also needs to be considered mm -hmm. within the realm of um, the, the team that's putting it together. But <clears throat> research, planning, engagement, measurement is uh, a continuous uh, cycle that we developed mm -hmm. so many years ago, and it's still... Um, yep. so true <laughs> today, so yep. true today, because what you do is you learn along the way. So as you're continually doing that research and you're executing the planning that you create, you know, the programs that you created during that planning, when you start to evaluate and see the engagement happening, that's where you have optimization opportunities where you can see this is working better than that's working. And so that continuous um, engagement monitoring, what content consumption is working better in what forms by who. Uh, so monitoring that full spectrum of engagement and, and that continuous evaluation of looking at what's working and what's not working. And then also having a, a measurement framework that helps guide uh, so measuring effectiveness, it's based on uh, all of those stages from, you know, the quality of reach to the engagement and then ultimately the conversions that you're starting to be able to track back to your buying cycle. Ultimately, it's an end-to-end -end 
measurement framework that needs to be established. And there, there's a lot of work that's out there now and proven methods that are out there that look at measurement from all aspects of paid, owned, earned, and shared. So there's just a lot of thought leadership out there. If teams don't have access to it, they can find best practices that have been proven and, right. and written about now. I see. Pretty readily accessible now. But th no, those absolutely. would be the four, I would say. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've seen, at least in the literature and uh, in some of the case studies, is that uh, some uh, marketers finding uh, a little bit challenging to find the right balance uh, between giving the influencers, uh, you know, free reign to uh, communicate their, their, their content, their own styles to keep their authenticity high. But at the same time, mm -hmm. obviously, since um, a brand is uh, behind them, how can you can balance brand versus influencer original content? Yeah, so going back to the selection process that I mentioned, mm -hmm. if influencers are gonna become an extension of your brand and your brand presence, it's mm -hmm. critical that you put rigor around that evaluation process before you recruit and, and, and get them onboarded into your program. Right. And I would suggest, you know, that's part of the research aspect of this. Choose wisely because these relationships are going to be critical um, to your program and how the success of the way that your brand is reflected. Absolutely. Uh, so doing that, you know, necessary evaluation up front for the individuals, are they aligned to your brand's mission? Do they fit within your culture? Do they have a high degree of confidence in that topic that I, I have been kind of underpinning all along is aligned to your product and service? And do they possess the ability to drive influence because of that high degree of competence around that particular topic of interest? So, so that's a very important point. You said basically, really, uh, you got to do the, the qualification and the, the onset versus finding later that there are some discrepancies or expectations are not uh, really uh, as you plan it for. But is there, how do you uh, really reach that uh, holy grail of agreement on messaging? Is this part of uh, the messaging requirements that uh, you set or guidelines for the influencer? Yeah, so I, I think that that's all part of the, the planning and mm -hmm. um, is an important point of the training and, and really being clear, providing clarity around um, the, the narrative, the messaging, yeah. the do's yeah. and don'ts. They want guardrails. No, no matter if it is an independent third party or if it's an employee or a partner, it doesn't matter. They have the intention to do the best um, on behalf of, you know, being a part of something like that. Right. And they want to know the rules for engagement, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And so kind of having that thought out in advance and having clear uh, support and training for that is essential uh, because if you if you don't have those um, fundamental uh, rules of engagement and kind of a governance model around it then 
you know, you don't have any recourse whatsoever. Not to say it should be punitive in any way, but the point is that ultimately you're onboarding these individuals because they have proven to have alignment to the, 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 and passion around the topic or the cause, and you want to make sure that they're successful. So ultimately those, um, Mm that planning and, and that messaging and, and really like the rules of the road, as I mentioned, uh, need to be conveyed up front, very clear and transparent. And so that you don't run into questions down the road or I didn't understand. So um, that, yeah. that just is an ounce of prevention. That's no, <laughs> worth the pound of cure. So they say. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely appreciate, you know, about, having a clear criteria from the get-go really uh, get you to select uh, the right people to work with. Uh, since you've been active in this space for uh, quite a long period, uh, what would you say are really uh, the most common misconceptions about influencer marketing that people mm-hmm. tend to fall into? and maybe you can give them like a heads up with your expertise. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's really interesting to have been a part of this movement for as long as I have been and, and watching, as I mentioned, the pendulum shift. (laughs) So I think we went through a craze of influencers. We're all celebrities Mm -hmm. and that's simply just not the case. And the fact of the matter is, we're seeing, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, that this term of micro-influencer is now emerging and beginning to take hold within this industry. And what I find interesting about that is micro-influencers, especially in my work, has always been what's driving the most effective engagement. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, particularly important in niche categories. And again, going back to that topic of, of relevance and making sure that, you know, your focus on that um, is, is essential and foundational. I just read a study actually this morning that was published by the World Federation of Advertisers. Uh-huh. And it had some really notable statistics in it that kind of, helps the audience really get around this, which is 65% of multinational brands surveyed in, in the study plan to increase their influence or marketing spend over the next 12 months. But 86% mm. of them report the goal of improved brand awareness. Mm. So 74% of those marketers plan to use influence to reach targeted and new audiences. But it's also really fascinating to see that of that 69% will use them in an advocacy program, a brand advocacy program. So the book that Chris and I wrote was really to, to put advocacy in the realm of advocacy can be driven by individuals, by brand affiliates or partners, or even by your customers. So when you think about that network of influence, Mm. uh, you should think about that portfolio of influence on who can drive that and advocacy. And it certainly could be 
a mix of, of any one of those. So but the other thing that's... Basically, yeah, but, most of them are really at the top of the funnel, really focusing on awareness, but some of them are really, uh, really in the advocacy level, which is like the last stage of the bias journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting is that what they're starting to realize is the quality of connections in their network is critical. And in that study, it cited that 96% of the brands are identifying quality of followers as an important criteria. Well, that's probably given rise based on the number of issues we've seen with fake followers and yep. all of the <laughs> the trending around, oh, yeah, um, you know, just building the numbers Absolutely. of your followers. Well, when you get underneath the hood, you better be looking at the quality of reach. And so that kind of goes back to what I said in the beginning is, the quality of the individuals of which you're um, building into your program and being very transparent around the credibility and reputation these individuals have, because I think it's high time that it's gotten that kind of attention and rigor because in the early days, I think it was all about the numbers and trying to get as many as, and many possible followers right, as right. you could. Well, when you really start to think about it and get underneath it, it's more about what is the intention? What is the topic? Is it truly followers that care about that topic? So um, really right. think about the, the relationship with those influencers and the importance of that relevance. Yeah, so definitely the, the, the most typical misconception it sounds like is really don't fall for the numbers or the followers volume that's not a measurement of um, an influencer uh, capabilities uh, again i think you know it depends on the brand but and it t depends on the product and service right um but certainly you want to make sure that you're looking at credibility mm -hmm. and quality because in the end like we said, it's a reflection of your brand and you want to make sure you're very careful about those choices. Right. And, and you mentioned earlier a few good industry examples of uh, brands that do it right. Obviously, IBM is definitely, you know, up high there, but uh, you mentioned GoPro, REI. Do you see others that are doing it really uh, in a great way? Well, I'm, I mentioned that beauty category that I've been following for a while, and there's self-made influencers. Uh, there's a woman, her name is Huda, mm -hmm. and she's really become a self-made influencer where at the same time, a celebrity influencer in that space is Rihanna. They both launch campaigns um, and now even self-titled makeup brands. Mm -hmm. Uh, as an extension of their personality, very different individuals, but but nonetheless, pretty much um, the ability to drive high engagement um, and in in a particular category that has then extended into creating their own product um, makeup line uh, through their their um, their commitment to that so um mm. one one wasn't 
uh, Huda certainly wasn't a, a celebrity, where Rihanna certainly is. But you yep. can just see, if you just look at those two juxtaposed examples, um, that it's possible, whether you're an individual that has a passion or whether or not you're a celebrity that has a particular area of interest. Absolutely. So just to wrap up our conversation, uh, maybe uh, it would be good if you can uh, give our audience your top three tips uh, for starting an influencer marketing program. Oh, yeah. Well, certainly the, the first one I have to say, and we didn't really talk about this, but compliance is critical. <laughs> Understand the guidelines. Right. Um, the FTC, SCC guidelines, critical so make sure you're uh, well schooled on those mm -hmm. also make sure that you're setting objectives relative to your business goals and the third one is make sure that you have meaningful targets and and measurement frameworks established for what does success look like mm -hmm. that should govern your planning um, your optimization that that needs to happen along the way and then it also helps you to quantify and explain to your stakeholders that are giving you investment how this program's working. You're going to need that. No, for sure. Uh, you know, gone are the, the days of, of, you know, qualitative, you know, gut type of, uh, of measurements. Kind of, it's, yeah. it, it's no more fuzzy. Yeah. They, they want quantitative proof. And, yep. and now we have the tools in order to deliver that. So I would say those would be my top three. Wonderful. All right. So Susan, I really want to thank you so much for a, a great time uh, delving into the world of influencer marketing programs. And for those of our uh, folks in our audience that would like to contact you, how can they do that? Sure, they can reach me at SF Emmerich on Twitter, or they can reach me through my blog, SusanEmmerich.com. Um, there's an about page there as well, kinds of uh, ways to contact me. So again, Shlomi, thank you so much for having me. It's been genuine pleasure <laughs> to reconnect and have sure. this conversation. Yeah. And uh, certainly honored to be a part of your podcast. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.